terrible. I would actually listen to Gilbert Gottfried tell the story of the Aristocats. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Molly Glover, Nick Glover, and Tim Wick. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we are joined once again by Pat Wick to talk about Bridgerton. This time, it's Bridgerton Season 2, available on Netflix, streaming right now. Smoochy, smoochy, we're sexy, geeks, sexy. We're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Molly Glover, joined as always by my co-hosts, Tim Wick. My bosom is heaving. And Nicholas Glover. Indeed. And today we are joined by our most illustrious host, the diamond of Geeks Without God, Patricia Wick. Yes, yes. Hello. Hello, hello. (laughs) And as you can tell by my terrible Regency accent, we are going to talk about Bridgerton Season 2. Ooh, Bridgerton Season 2. Right. Huzzah. Now, huzzah. Yes, huzzah. Oh, yes. Quite, quite. Now, Bridgerton season two, uh, Pat is our in-house expert on all things Bridgerton because she has read all the books. Yes, I have. And we have not read all the books. Any of the books. I haven't read any of the books. Tim, have you read any of the books? I have not read any of the books. All right. So, but we are all very, very big fans of the show. This is a show that, as we said about the last season, on paper, None of the three of us should really like this show that much. This isn't really anything. None of us are really big into period romances. Usually like it's not really it's I'm not seeking out period romantic dramas in other areas. I know Nick is not Tim. Is that is it something Uh, you would consider your bread and butter? Not bread and butter. But Pat and I, I mean, we we watched uh, several Jane Austen adaptations together. And Um, would you watch them alone? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I have. No, no. Yeah. I mean, like, if, if you, let's say you were a single man, when they, would, you, would you do you think you'd be do, would you be watching the romance? Well, I, I haven't been a single man for a very long time, so it's hard for me to answer that theoretical question, <laughs> hypothetical question. But, but I will say uh, that I have enjoyed romantic comedies in general. So I All think, right. uh, and I mean, after we watched Bridgerton season two, I had some questions that stem back to Bridgerton season one. And I have uh, rewatched the first two episodes of season mm. one without Pat. That's true. Well, so, so was I, your I, first question was your first question. Where's all the sex? Because I hear that's an issue. A lot of women had about this, uh, this last season. <laughs> Pat, <laughs> Pat's rolling her eyes. Pat, please, please weigh in on the uh, uh, we watched a really funny. I think it was, was it on uh, last, last week, week tonight. tonight. Like a supercut. Is it a supercut of all the news shows with the women hosts saying but not saying that Bridgerton season two was just OK because it was just missing something. It didn't have, you know, something. It was just missing, yeah, you know, just, something. They're all just dancing around <laughs> saying not as much fucking like in all the different diplomatic but awkward ways they can. Was there did you feel this was an adequate amount of fucking for the source material <laughs> if you're going to compare it to the book there is a lot less sex in it but oh. the book makes a very different choices as to what's going to happen with the characters okay uh, for example uh he gets married or they get married uh halfway through the book no and by the they, way, the book. a spoilers anthony, by the way spoilers. you mean anthony oh, and Kate. God. 
You yes. mean Anthony and Kate? <clears throat> yes, Anthony yeah. and Kate get married, and then they have all of the lovely post-wedding sex and relationship. Uh, okay. There is never a... Uh, there's so, so many things different about this that they made well, different choices for. Well, then let's start, start with... with uh, yeah, let's start with uh, uh, some of the big ones. I guess I'll just ask, are all of the, the, the main characters that we see in Bridgerton season two are, of course, uh, the ladies shawarma or shawarma. Oh my God, the ladies. <laughs> oh, my God. That was not an intentional Whoa. joke. That just came wow. out that way as I try to read the word Sharma. Uh, Kate and her sister. Yes. Who is. What is Edwina. Edwina. Right. Edwina, who is the actual heir. And her sister is uh, uh, from a, a relationship that her mother or that her not her mother is her stepmother, really. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm is that? Yes. And is that the case in the books? Are those characters in the books? This with the same familial lines. Similar um, in the books. They're all white from England. Mm. Um, the uh, daughter, the mother, Mary, did go off and marry a poor man who already had a daughter okay uh the family the elder family the sheffields which is her Mm -hmm. it was her parents uh are not in the book at all Hmm. interesting so Hmm. they were invented for the show uh yeah to give a little bit more information there um it's, Hmm. it's interesting because edwina is in the book still like a diamond beautiful gorgeous Mm -hmm. um that the one that people want anthony decides that he's going to pick her because well if he's going to marry he might as well marry the diamond of this year and then that should be just the the easiest choice and this year it's not a sister so it's not weird yeah yeah (laughs) ah but his sister wasn't a diamond the year before so okay (laughs) um no i liked some of the many of the choices they made that were different from the book i liked the changes some of them made it go made such dramatic changes that it was kind of one of those you're basing it on the title and the back cover of the book right because interesting what are some of those changes i think the point that we need to make though is the reason that they included the scene with the sheffields is because then they could cut out some of the sex so <laughs> oh sure sure yeah, yeah we had to, yeah. definitely had to limit the sex in this one yeah no i'm i'm generally so um which what are some of the i guess let's let's just jump into what are some of the biggest changes uh that you didn't like let's say um in the relationship i did not like the fact that they he proposed to the wrong girl and it went all oh. the way to a wedding so in the book he doesn't propose to edwina no, okay. Um, in the book, after the f- uh, where she's stung in the chest by a bee, mm-hmm. uh, they are caught. He, as a matter of fact, he uh. has a large panic attack, which they do here, and mm-hmm. he, um, Anthony decides to get the poison out so she doesn't die in front of him. He goes down <laughs> and sucks the bee sting uh-huh. out uh-huh. and is caught by the mothers walking through. Okay. And like, okay, you need to be married. And the both of them were like, this is not a thing. We're, no, we don't need to. Kate's like, I can't do this. It can't be over a bee. It was just a bee. Like, mm-hmm. nobody else saw it. Well, uh, Lady Featherington saw it or believes it's like, and she is in all of the books, the largest gossip in London. 
Okay. She would not be able to keep this secret at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there was never any engagement officially. Everybody knew he was wooing Edwina, but there was never any official, hey, let's do this. And Edwina doesn't want to marry him necessarily. Ah, okay. In the book, she knows darn well that they are fairly impoverished. And it is her job to marry a wealthy man so that her mother and sister won't be starving. So her sister isn't keeping a, it a secret from her no. the way that she is in the show, which is very much a, like the one of the key plot points is Edwina can't know that this whole marriage has to be for money. She needs to marry for love. I will make sure that she is only marrying for love. Interesting. Is so so um feather lady, it's Featherington, right? It's so yes. close to a King of the Hill joke that I have to make sure I'm getting it right. So Lady Featherington has a similar scene with her daughter and their third cousin or whatever, the Lord Featherington, when he she entraps them in the garden. Is that is do you think is that in the book or was that them trying to kind of mimic that thing where Featherington is see, overseeing the bee thing? Okay. Um, that character of Lord Featherington does not exist anywhere in the series. Interesting. Hmm. None of that at all. Uh, I think they're trying to do that to make the Featheringtons be more uh, big in the story because Penelope Featherington turns out to be Lady Whistledown. In the books, (laughs) nobody knows who that is until it is Penelope's book, Penelope and Collins' story, which is book four. Okay. How many books are there? Seven? Uh, eight. There's eight siblings. There's there's eight Bridgertons. There's oh, right. eight books. Right. And apparently there's also at least one other book that's got like like uh, like epilogues for a lot of the stories. But yes, there's a ninth yeah. book, which is a uh, one more epilogue for each of those eight stories and also a Violet story. A little sh- a little short story of Violet with the mother. Ah, excellent. Yeah, um, I really. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that for those books. So in the books, it's just a, at the beginning of every chapter, you have a Lady Whistleton papers with like that over, just, you know, something that was seen from the last thing. Like, oh, there's a house party. Oh, somebody spilled a drink. Oh, somebody was in a closet with somebody else. Um, Mm -hmm. Just kind of as a tying together. And Mm -hmm. it's also in a few of the author's other books. So it's just kind of a tying her world together. That sure. I don't, I am positive Julia, the author, was planning on having it be Penelope the entire time. But it's kind of a passing thing that people do that it's just kind of tying the world together. Okay. Uh, sure. I really enjoyed this season, Eloise's uh, subplot of uh, getting into, uh, you know, I mean, humanist, but more feminist, you know, literature and publications and just getting into the whole, you know, idea of, you know, that that newspapers could words could mean something, you know, and they could actually stir you to action. Is that something I know that she has her own book eventually, but is that something that is in her book that they borrowed to bring into this season? Or is that another fabrication for the show? Fabrication for the show. Interesting. So that all that stuff with, do we, we obviously don't see anything with Lady Whistledown. So we don't see Penelope going to the printing press or do we see that in her book like her trying to get things printed and all of the the drama there um she gets in in penelope's and collins's book she is found dropping off uh the next installment um in 
and is found by Colin, who oh. sees her escape the house and the kind of an odd thing, takes a carriage, like, what's going on? Follows her to a church on the other side of, of London, where she puts the the letter in a hymn, a hymnal in one of the pews uh, in the church. Similar to the rest thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the seamstress is not a character either. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. There's a there's a lot of characters, as Pat and I have been discussing, a lot of characters in in these in these shows that are not in the books. The queen is not in the books at all. Not in the slightest. And the queen is such an amazing character. Oh, she's yeah. amazing. I love the fact that they have her there. I love the fact that they upped uh, the the women empowerment of some mm-hmm. of it on that is really lovely. Some of the choices they made specifically with like Kate and Edwina, the house party that they have uh, to try to, that Lady Bridgerton is having to try to have her sons get engaged. It's not just the elder. She's- This is in the books. It's in the books. Okay. um, Is actually where Edwina finds her love match. He's just an extra man to make sure the numbers match. Um, And she finds who she loves there. So the fact that She's changed over to loving Anthony because of the sacrifice he's making, as opposed to, no, she's marrying him because she was brought up to be that kind of person who does that, like many women were. It's. You know? I feel like uh, for a lot of the characters that aren't, you know, the ones who got married in this season, it was kind of a kind of a downer of a season, kind of a real uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, we're left with a lot feel. of a lot of uh, uh, Penelope and Eloise are at odds. Penelope is uh, possibly found out and has is here's over here is Colin saying nasty things about her. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, Anthony and Kate are, I mean, happy at least. But uh, who else was the who else did we see that was with the exception of the the. Lady Whistledown, not Lady Whistledown, excuse me, Lady uh, uh, Featherington. Oh, Benedict. Benedict is uh, he's the he's the artist, right? He's the artist. Yeah. He leaves art school and abandons his dream. Yeah, it does feel a little Empire Strikes Back. Like just just kind of setting it up for everyone to maybe do better next season. I although Um, although later Lady Featherington, Darth Vader's the shit out of her situation. Oh yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, that's what I was uh, about to say. Was that she she definitely had a a turnaround at the end of the season for her, you know, for her family, I guess. But really, it's kind of more of a win for for her on on their behalf, right? Yeah, it was really uh, that was really fascinating. I it was funny because uh, this Lord Featherington character surely seemed to be playing her with the oh, you're the one I want and you're the you're so smart and you're so cunning and you're the one to run away with me. And it felt like she was buying into it. And then at the end, I wondered if she wasn't playing him along as well. Uh, knowing full well that she would never leave and that she would just, you know, let him go and 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 be shamed. Uh, my take and, you know, I'm not the writer, I'm not the actors, but my take was uh, that she was playing him and he was playing her and she was fully aware that he was playing her. And it was the point at which he had a complete disregard for her children when it was all, we're going to run away to the, to, to America. And it was like, just you and me will send for the children later. And the fact that he had absolutely no regard for her daughter's welfare was the mm-hmm. point at which he's like, nope. Fuck this guy off to America. I'm taking the money and he can go right now. 
And, yeah, uh, yeah. But but I think further, she had that plan in her back pocket at any point. If if there had ever been any evidence he was going to cross her, she was ready to just drop the hammer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I- yeah. And I think that that I mean, that's obviously why she she invested. Right. I mean, <laughs> she knew what she was doing, mm-hmm. especially because she knew from the beginning that the necklaces weren't real. And uh, that was that was excellent, by the way. It was very dramatic. Uh, Colin just taking the necklace and smashing it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was just I actually gasped a little bit like, oh, my gosh, what is he what is he doing? It's like, well, that must be gla- it's pure glass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that subplot. It has nothing to do with the books, but there's nothing wrong with it. It brings in other characters. Um, One thing I loved in this season um, is showing constantly how Penelope Featherington, who's Lady Whistledown, learns about everything. She's Mm -hmm. ignored. She's a wallflower reading books. But well, and yes, she is. But she's also listening to everything, looking Mm -hmm. out of the window, listening to what the servants she is a wallflower, a nobody, a woman of uh, low birth that, I mean, not like low, low, not low birth birth for the ton for the the ton for the bon ton. Yes. For there. She is kind of a lower upper class. Yes, exactly. Who would care about her in the slightest? And I, what I liked, and I mean, to my mind, it was, it's said, but not said is that, you know, all, most of the other girls are thin. Most of the other girls are rich, tall, tall, and she is short and round. And, you know, she's the, she's the girl that all the guys are like, Oh, pen, you don't count. You're not a girl kind of a thing. And so a lot of her overlookedness really does come from that as well, that, that she's, you know, she's just, she, and she seems content to be left alone, which I think also, you know, she doesn't, she's not out there striking up conversation. She's not trying to change that. She's perfectly happy, it seems, just clinging to the edges, gathering all that information. I And and I, I don't disagree, but I also, I think it's worth noting that they've never said or had any character say that it's because of her appearance or her right. shape or any of that. Yes. Uh, we're all left to to infer, but I feel like it's it's so obvious that they don't need to say it. Maybe mm-hmm. like I, it's still they're making you know the the fat character the one that's overlooked or the fat yeah, character that the one true. that can't find love. Like I guess I'll take it as a small win that you know, the people aren't saying that that's not why that there there wasn't a scene where she splits her new dress or something or like where she's stuffing canapes in her mouth and her mother's like Penelope be with Penelope that, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, It sounds like the books have a fairly myopic focus. Like, like it seems, I mean, just from so much of the, what I think of as being the interesting parts of Bridgerton seem to not be in the books. Uh, What, like if you were to characterize the books, is it that they're that they're more narrow in scope in terms of what characters are doing because they're more focused on the romance? Or do you think that the show felt the need to um, expand what was happening to pad out, you know, 10 episodes? Well, I think they're expanding out the universe and trying to make more balls in play to try to pay attention. So it's not just like, oh, this is the book about just these two. This is the book about just these other two. Um, every one of the books is, I mean, obviously mostly the romance and it has other things in it that, you know, interconnect with the universe that 
uh, Julia Quinn, the author, has written about. Various side characters like uh, Cressida Cowper is in the books, and she's just as bad. Uh, just <laughs> She's the mean girl. I mean, she really is. Of course. Of course. Um, but uh, many of these books are done, are set years apart because of the ages of the siblings and sure. the fact that married men, you men usually married later than women. So you have, you know, eight Bridgerton children in a fairly tight spacing, although um, the t- fairly tight spacing, Anthony, I think, was 19 when his dad died and his mother was pregnant. So, oh, they really made him seem like he was more like 14 or 15 in the show for sure. 17, 18, 19. I have not reread they, the book. In the, in the show, they say he's, he's nine and 20. No, so, it's, yeah, at the, in the present in, day. In season two. And, yeah. is, yeah. and they, I think they said his father had died 10 years ago. So, yes. okay. so, okay. so he's like 19. That, that timeline tracks with, with, with the book. Okay. So you also then have, you know, literally years in between some mm-hmm. of these. Uh, the third book is Anthony as um, uh, uh, B Benedict's book, and then there's time that passes again, and then the next three are actually all basically set at the same time. Hmm. So it'll be interesting because that's Collins, Eloise's, and Francesca's. Okay, are all basically set the same summer, and literally the uh, Collins's book leads into Eloise's book. Hmm. And. Francesca's barely a character at this point, right? No, we've really, doing... we've really not seen her at all. In fact, I, again, I was going back to rewatch a bit of the se- the first season, and they comment about Francesca being off at finishing school, uh, yes. or something to that effect. And we basically haven't seen Francesca at all. Francesca hmm. is a character that she is actually her book uh, starts at basically her husband's funeral. Oh, her love match. I mean, she liked her husband. She, you know, kind mm-hmm. of did, but didn't have that strong, huge love that the book is doing um, until after he dies and then love happens. But she didn't, like I said, dislike. She didn't have an unhappy marriage. But so she's actually off married, and it's kind of hard for them to do that. For, oh, interesting. interesting. Huh. Yeah, that is. Well, they have a couple seasons to. In, introduce her proper and make that happen. Yeah, I, I have guess. wondered what they're going to do because, I mean, I guess they could I feel like they've been um, making Eloise, like they make the actress look younger by putting her in, like I, I was saying she's in higher neckline dresses she's not in boob dresses her her necklines are up higher and all the girls that are uh, that seem to be more romantic interests always have lower necklines where their boobs are up like and that's that's one of the ways I've been able to tell it seems like younger or older. So they could if they wanted to show Eloise as now being older and therefore more interested in things, that it would be easy enough to costume her in a way that would make hmm. the actress Claudia look, the look a little older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well they're Eloise, gonna they're uh, gonna change the order, you said. Um uh, it's, season three is gonna be Collins season. It, well, that's the rumor because rumor. they were live they have more th- interesting things with Colin and with Penelope ramping up at the end. And uh anyways, uh so it's hard to say, but in Eloise and Penelope, because they're best friends. Uh, mm-hmm. so one of the reasons in that you get to see the the you meet Penelope early is because Penelope and Eloise are best friends. So Penelope's always coming and going 
from mm-hmm. the Bridgerton mm-hmm. residents. Do you do you do Eloise and Penelope have a monumental uh, best friend breakup like never. they do in the show? Never. They never figured. Eloise never figures it out. As a matter of oh, fact, no, I wasn't. She's I wasn't the thinking because of Whistledown. I wasn't thinking yeah, because nope, of Whistledown. Never. I'm just wondering if they had any kind of conflict or any sort of thing that would cause them to have this because it, it is it, it's very dramatic and it's it is very fitting, I feel, uh, for girls of that age. What are they now? Fifteen around probably 16 ish 15 16 yeah that's that's the time when when girls who have been best friends their whole lives might have a very dramatic breakup where now they are not speaking but also like it's the only thing that's consuming their thoughts all day and all night is their best friends <laughs> like fight so I, I i don't know i'm looking forward to seeing how that resolves but uh i really really liked Eloise's, um, I guess, I don't even know if you would call it a tryst, but her uh, in her relationship with the printing press guy uh, was interesting to me because it was that they they played around with a little bit of class. And, and the, the fact being like, you're going to go home to your mansion and the bon ton, right? Like you're 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 a yeah. lady. And no matter what you do, that won't change. And and I'm wondering if you is there is there a lot of that exploration in the books or do pretty much people stick to dating within the tongue? Um, the last one of them does do a little bit with that. The Bridgerton series itself. No, um, some mm. of other Julia's uh, Julia Quinn's book. Yes, there are some more playing around with some class disparities, but for the most part, no. Interesting. Um, I mean, I, I think the the series, and again, I, I don't know how the book does it, but one thing the series does really look at is uh, gender roles uh, within within the time frame that they're that they're presenting. I, I now I obviously I don't I don't know exactly how it was done in the book, and clearly it wasn't it wasn't important. And but the decision to go with an Indian actress to play Kate. Uh, had to change dramatically how they address that entire relationship. And I'm, I'm, and I have not been able to determine, I'm super curious if they decided they were going to cast an Indian actress and had been writing to that to begin with, or if the actress they chose was an Indian actress and they were like, oh, well, that's going to change the way we're going to, we're going to create this, this family and these characters. How do you feel like it? I don't feel like it really came up other than the fact that she was going to go back to India and that's where her mom went. You know, other they didn't they didn't talk about because they're very race blind for the most part in this show. So I didn't feel like her being Indian even came up at all other than Anthony was worried she was going to go back to India and it was very far. Yeah, yeah, they talk about the the wedding traditions and the colors and the sure. the like balm or whatever it is. I guess it didn't feel like a I guess I thought and... Tim was bringing it up as it in relation to what I was just saying about there being um uh tension points. So is no, that what you No, it's more that I I think that I was really fascinated that they that they went ahead and and made that change and I was super curious as to as to whether it was an actress decision, like this is the best actress for this part. And therefore mm-hmm. we're going to need to change some things about her backstory in order to make it fit. Or they decided they wanted that to be the backstory and then the cast to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I appreciate that it wasn't a big deal. 
that yeah. we, we complained when we were talking about season one that that uh, there's a point where Lady uh, Danbury, Lady Danbury, uh, talks about how the queen being being black mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, and we all felt like, well, there doesn't seem to be any real consideration of color, skin mm-hmm. color amongst anybody in the ton. So it's weird that, that it got brought up since there wasn't anything else that related back to it. Um, and then in this season, there, there was literally nothing about it yeah. at all. And, and they even, they even upped the diversity quite a bit in I, the secondary characters. I felt like it was uh it was a, a great example of British imperialism yeah. because to them, India is Britain. Right. And and so it was just another area of Britain and they were all still British. And so it just felt very much like, well, of course, it's just India, you know, and and so it it that 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 not mentioning it to me almost felt like they were making a point in that way, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I wonder if they I mean it's not cool, it's terrible. It's imperialism, but <laughs> I wonder I wonder if they're they're thinking going in with something like, okay, so you know, anytime we have a new group of characters or a new family or someone to bring in, let's just keep in mind, we could potentially cast anyone from the British Empire. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, we can we can easily write around that or, or work with that in such a way that, you know, keeping that same thing in mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In this instance, the Raj. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I but I think like Penelope's role and the way. She's doing Lady Whistledown to her is a is a is a power thing. It gives mm-hmm. her control. You know, she's not the eldest daughter. She's not expecting that she's going to have an opportunity to marry well. She's not her her mother doesn't have any money because her father gambled it away. Her uh, love match seems out of reach. Yeah, she's making her own money. She's created mm-hmm. her own career. Which, Pay her own dowry. Yeah. Which is is an incredible amount of power that she's taking for herself, and there's a lot in these shows about women taking power for themselves. Kate is is really about finding a powerful match for her sister within the roles that they have, um, and and I I like the way that they're doing that. I like that that they're making it a part of a part of the series without ever being like smashing you over the head with a hammer about what they're doing, but showing how women have to make very different decisions in this society to have power. Which is interesting because they're being very race blind, but they're being very leaning heavily on misogyny being an issue. You know, so it's just it's it's an interesting it's an interesting way to find the tension, but to ignore other kinds of trauma and and, you know, invented or uh, inequity. inequity. Yes. Yeah. I think you can't if you take the patriarchy and misogyny out of Regency romances, you don't have Regency romances. (laughs) Right. But a lot of people make that same argument about the inclusion of people of color. And they say that it's not a true Regency thing because there's too many people of color everywhere. And and, this would never happen. This would never happen. You know, historically untrue. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a good point because it is, it is largely, I mean, I I would say it's 98% hetero romance right that we're focusing on in these and so therefore the patriarchy is a huge part of it and and is sort of the 
I mean, underscores the whole thing, right? Because without, if people were equal, if the genders were equal, then it wouldn't matter if he was alone with her in a garden at night and oh, yeah. saw, right? Sucking, no one was sucking out, sucking out, sucking out bee venom from her breast. Right, right. Uh, and purity culture. Also, I think purity Anthony, culture, yes. Antony is a great example of how the patriarchy harms men, right? I mean, the yes. the amount of pressure that he's put under the instant his father dies. It's and like, it's also you a self- are Lord Bridgerton now. You must make all the difficult decisions. While his father's body is still warm and all yeah. of a sudden you're the Lord and you must make all these decisions. You have to choose who say, lives, your mother or your sister. But I would also argue to, to a large degree, we see that it is a self-imposed oh, yeah. uh, thing that, I mean, there he could have been like, okay, sure, I will be the Lord of the family. Mom, what should I do? You know, in private talk to her, but that's not, it's, it's because of the patriarchy, because mm-hmm. of purity, because of that, that he has decided that he has to bear this weight alone. Yeah. And that is, that is a huge, uh, you know, thing that does affect men. That self-imposed aspect is like less clear in the flashbacks to his father's death and more present in the, the present day yes. of the show where it's like, you know, lots of comments to his siblings about them fucking around and not doing stuff and how it must be nice to mm-hmm, not have all the responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And the whole time they're like, yeah, but like you can choose to have fun. Yeah. Like you can choose to hire someone to want. look at the papers like, then. Yeah. You, know? you can <laughs> You have all these options that, <laughs> that you're not choosing and you're choosing to just to have this burden mm-hmm, and make it your whole mm-hmm. life. And that's like, what makes him. To... In, that's what makes him and Kate this this really good pair because the two of them mm-hmm. are both dealing with all the responsibility that they placed on their own shoulders yes. and ignoring yeah. yes. their own happiness. I don't have the luxury of marrying for love. Dude, no one said that. Like literally yeah. no <laughs> one said that. Only you think that. Like, <laughs> Well, one thing, okay, going back, I want to do just a couple more things about the relationship in the book. That's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very clear that Anthony wants to marry somebody who is smart and capable and beauty, why not? But smart and capable is very important because he truly believes, since his dad was such a great man and died at 38, that he will not be able to outlive his father. That fate's kind of a bitch and he's just not going to be able to. And he can't love somebody and have what happened to his family happen when his father died happens when he dies. So he, sure. wants- he was the same age when his father died that his father was when he was born. If his father died at 38 and Anthony was 19, that means that that's how old he was when his his parents had him. His, mm. his dad Basically, was 19. Yes. So like that, that would also really fuck you up because it's like by now my father had 10 kids and, you know, and everything <laughs> else that he built in his life, you know. And uh, it's it's a difficult. They do that very well in the book. There's also uh, some trauma that they don't they get rid of, but. It's not quite the trauma they get rid of, I guess, isn't nearly as important. The decision that they were going to go through this weird wedding that she then dumps him, the Edwina dumps him and she really loves him and all that stuff is kind of it feels added on drama where there's perfectly fine drama that they got rid of from the book. Okay. For that. So it's kind of one of those. Okay, I think they did a very good job of I can't love my wife because. You know, mm-hmm. looking at what you did, I thought was really good. Um, some things with like uh, you're saying that 
what happens with Colin saying some really bad things about Penelope it does happen in the books. I cannot remember which book because mm-hmm. the scenes, the vignettes happen in several. Um, I'm really upset how that was taken care of because in the books, it's a moment of positivity for Penelope. In the books, um, Anthony, Benedict, and Colin are outside the house, just daytime, kind of jovially joking, ha, 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 this is what you're going to do, brother. And uh, Colin says, yeah, I'm not going to be marrying Penelope Featherington as Penelope's leaving the house after mm. just spending the afternoon with her bestie. And everybody just goes shocked silence. Like, oh, my God, this just happened. And we're British. How can we possibly get over this? <laughs> Emotions. Oh, my. And Penelope says, I never asked you to. And there's this pause. And she says, and that shouldn't be uncomfortable. Just like, and I'm trying to remember which brother, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if when, say, Benedict. If I say, I'm not going to be marrying Benedict. And, you know, the brother's like, what, what? But that doesn't make you uncomfortable when I say that, does it? Uh, uh, no, I, I it isn't. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. there's no reason for any of us to be upset that mm-hmm. you're not going to be marrying him and I'm not going to be marrying them. It should be just fine. And she just, she keeps herself together for that thing and then gently walks down the steps and she's about to go, you know, turn the corner to walk to her house, which is, you know, like around the corner. And Anthony's like, I'm going to escort you home. And she's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to be fine. He's like, no, I really feel the need to escort you home today. And they just go off chatting. So Anthony kind of like steps forward in his way of just, I'm going to show my support for what you just did and how you handled Mm -hmm. that well. And it's never really mentioned again, ever. But the way it was handled in the books makes it a power moment for Penelope. That she steps into this... mess of the boys sure. teasing each other and makes it about p- empowering herself. Which I, I I have to say, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the audience, the intended audience for these books is women. Pretty much full stop, you yep. know, and, and I wonder if because the show is trying to aim at a broader audience, if they decided hmm. to rely on the more tired trope of she hears them say mean thing and now she's sad and that makes more drama than woman who is very empowered. Whereas the books you're reading that and you're like, fuck yeah, Penelope. That's, you know what? That's what I would do. I would hold myself together and be like, oh yeah, well then I'd say this. And I would be like held, you know, but in the show, maybe they inject that like a little bit more tropey, you know, need because shoot for the middle instead of trying to make it about women empowerment. It's, it's more about broader appeal. Yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things of I was very disappointed in that particular scene mm-hmm. because it was done so well in the book. Maybe they're like, saving yeah. that scene. scene I mean, it could be. Maybe they're saving that that moment. It'll have to be different, but maybe they're saving it for yeah. for the Colin Penelope season. Or I felt the same way. Someone else. I felt the same way about uh, uh, Daenerys and Cal Drogo's first night uh, in the books of Game of Thrones versus in the show. Where in the show, it's just like straight up rape. <laughs> and in the books, it's not like she consents. So like it's, it's definitely more nuanced. But I see what you're saying. Like there's I think there's things that they just I think there's things they 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 kick over in shows because they want to get because tropes are easier, you know, and it's easier to lean into them. Well, uh, so I, you know, 
is the croquet? <laughs> is the oh, croquet? Oh, that, the... I was about to ask Pat, Pat about this because this is one thing she told me oh. that I feel is important from a book to show thing. It's yeah. literally on my list of like, no, 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 no. Let's talk about this. Uh, yeah. The croquet book, uh, it's called Palmal, uh, but the game of croquet is absolutely in the book. It is one thing that Julia Quinn has said when people asked her in interviews, what do you think? She's like, the one thing that I required to go from the book to the screen was the croquet match. Is that exactly great. the same? No, it's not exactly the same. But it's the same flavor. Mm -hmm. sure. of them being very competitive. Oh, yeah. It's like, I love my siblings. However, as soon as the game comes out, all bets are off. Yeah, that's we are, great. We're going to send balls to the middle of nowhere. Yes, the black mallet is called the mallet of death. Uh, it's great. And one thing that I think is adorable that you hear that in the epilogue in the second. Anyways, future stories. Anthony, on the anniversary of the croquet game, has a croquet game with those exact players every year on the anniversary. That's Aww. very cute. That's very and cute. So including... Um, like Edwina comes every year and mm. she's late every year because she's always doing something else and she's doing something, but you know, she knows it's going to be a while. So it's she doesn't just, really want to play. <laughs> well, she doesn't quite understand it, even though you know, she's married to the person she met and fell in love with at that party, but mm -hmm. he's not allowed to play. Penelope was at the party and eventually marries Colin. Colin she's plays, but she's not part of it. It's right, just those right. that people who play and he makes sure it plays every year and i think it's super sweet and the games later i mean yes they're super sweet but it's also just more digging and uh how are you gonna mess over all of your siblings and apparently yeah. the mallet of death becomes something that like kate and anthony like try to get from one another and are hiding throughout their home yes leading uh, up to the, the annual pell mell game so to, who can has that who can get death. the mallet of death yes yeah yeah, uh, I had, one last uh, thing. yeah, one last thing. So, um, there's there's not really a lot of church in this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I imagine in this time period, that would be a major social event. That would be a place where people are seeing each other. That would be a place to be seen. That's one more place where you are, um, you know, chaperoned and allowed to interact with people, right? But we don't have any of that in the show at all, which uh, I, I super dig. Uh, obviously, is it is it similarly left out in the in the books? Absolutely. Hmm. Huh, that's, that's great. Great. Which is interesting because in Jane Austen, there's always at least one character who's a pastor. Right. Which makes sense because the pastors moved in the higher the upper crust circles. Well, they had to because they were the younger sons. Right. Because it was mm -hmm. the younger sons who weren't weren't going to inherit, who would tend to go mm -hmm. into the clergy, because it was a way to maintain some level of of stature sure. that they did status. not have status. status that they didn't have through birth. It then, also made them taller. It does make you taller when you're a pastor. It's the it extra does. god. Yeah, it would make sense. Uh, it's there are some pastors uh, um, and as characters in some of these, but going to church is really not in much of any region, modern Regency romances. Because great. it has nothing really to do with it. All the socializing is in the tea parties and the mm -hmm. going out, the CNBC and walking. The balls. <laughs> the, the, oh, Newton is given a little bit, the dog, her gorgeous little dog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
does in the books manage to topple Anthony into the river and does cause uh, mud stains in other places. Uh, he has a much bigger role in the book. Aww. He's very huh. cute. I was a big but fan of him. All right. Well, Pat, so, thank but, you so much. For- but hmm? wh- how did you feel about the lack of sex? Oh, um, I thought it was fine. There was okay. a lot of passion. So I guess I didn't need to have something with that much more sex in it. I think it really is telling uh, the people, you know, the and let's just be honest, the fucking normals on television who are complaining about <laughs> it. It sure seems like they just wanted to watch something steamy and they weren't like porn. You can just watch porn. Exactly. <laughs> like if you need to see people fucking, it is very easy. Type people fucking into Google and you will find people fucking. It's you can even type in Regency fucking. And I bet you sure. some good porn. I'm sure that exists. But, I really liked this season. And I think a part of it was like, honestly, the lack of sex scenes. I don't mind sex scenes, but they always are going to they make me a little uncomfortable. They just do Uh, not in any Puritan way. I just feel like I'm I feel like I shouldn't watch like this is a private moment that I shouldn't be allowed to see. You know, and so I'm always just kind of like, oh, gosh, sorry, guys, you guys just well, go ahead and you, you, you just have sex. I'll you, just listen. <laughs> you apologize when you open the dishwasher when it's running for I the do. same reason. I so. do. I feel like I'm intruding. But I will say, like, wow. I, I really I really liked the focus on story this time. So I, I enjoyed the lack of fucking for once. <laughs> and there's no way they could have had any fucking with those two characters in this story because exactly. he was going to marry the sister. Exactly. How is he going to teach her the pleasures of cunnilingus when they aren't even supposed to like each other? <laughs> and exactly. I mean, when it comes right down to it, that, that comes. The, the whole reason why the, the Kate Anthony, like, pretending they don't like each other is for both of them to cover the fact that both of them are intensely attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. And for Anthony, he can't. Because if he marries her, he knows he'll fall in love with her and then mm-hmm. he will destroy her when she dies. So the like, whole when he dies, when he dies. Right. So yeah. they get married yeah. and then they have in the book, they have lots of sex. But during the daytime, he gets up and he's gone for like 12 hours. They never yep. see each other because he's trying to be like, OK, I can compartmentalize. I mm-hmm. love I mean, I, I, I like to have sex with this woman and she's my wife and she's smart and great. But if I don't see her, then I won't fall in love with her. And so I really like that scene with his mom. And when she has uh, the carriage accident in the book, that's when and almost dies. She, that's when he realizes that, oh, God, I'm such a dumbass. I really do love her. And yeah. my staying away from her is just my dumb, my old dumbass stuff. Yeah. So I, that part yeah. was missing. I really liked that scene with his mom where he was like, I can't ever have someone love me the way you loved dad. And then I die. And then she's left the way you were left. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, because I could never cause another woman to feel the way you clearly felt yeah. after yeah. dad died. You were like, and just to be, and to make it. So it was such a like, cause you know, normally you might see the, like you left us, you abandoned the family, you just dropped out and it was terrible on me. No, instead it's like, I can't, I saw that pain. Mm-hmm. And I can't cause that in someone else. And that means no love. There when, we go. Like, <laughs> I think that's, that's the only logical solution. That's yeah. logic. That's it's, men's logic. It's exacerbated too, because that is also as he's taking on all these duties as the head of the household. Yes, so like yes. he yeah. doesn't have the time and space to like comfort her. Yeah, and so yeah. he just has to watch her be super depressed and, and like not yeah. functional. Yeah. It clearly fucked him up. 
Um, Pat, I, by the way, I, by the way, love matriarch Victoria Bridgerton. She's she's the best. Yeah. Violet. Yeah. Violet. Violet. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is very good. I, she, I, she I, suffers no fools. And it's it's just great. Well, and she married for love and had love and wants that for her children because she mm-hmm. realizes that that was the greatest gift of her life other than her kids. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. put you together. All right. Third time's a charm. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us for Bridgerton season two. Uh, we will have you back, obviously, when we do Bridgerton season three, which Absolutely. I'm sure will be very fascinating. Uh, but it's time for five questions. We five have questions. five new questions and five new questions. answered them yet. So uh, we're going to ask Ooh. the questions and I'm going to start. Uh, question one. What is a game you have played recently that you really enjoyed? Um, we've been playing pictures, uh, which is a game that we played at OmegaCon last time. Yep. It we brought is- it up on the OmegaCon uh and the Omega yeah, Gaming yeah, yeah, gaming yeah. You talked episode. about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is um, a lovely game. There's a, there's a bunch of pictures of miscellaneous things where it could be a pile of toys, a scenic background, waves, fish, various things, kind of a Dixit quality. And mm-hmm. then everybody has drawn a token from a bag as to which one they're supposed to be using their, I'm going to say art supplies, but that's rounding up sure. uh, to dis- to say what they're trying to do. And everybody's doing the same thing, but everyone has different art supplies. Like you may so have. You're trying to make the picture that your token indicates with yes. the bits that you have at your disposal. Yes. Could that be sounds really cool pieces of wood there's a couple shoelaces where you just have to make up what you're doing and everyone then gets to guess at the same time what everybody's trying to do it's actually really fun yeah it sounds great it's a very simple game it can be played in about 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of those taught in about five it's it's a great game all right nick question two question two uh what science fact or discovery do you think is really fucking cool When it comes right down to it, I think figuring out how the blood circulatory system works is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it took humans, as far as we know, over the planet, thousands of years when they were doing science on so many other things. And yet somehow think that the heart is making waves of blood mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. understanding like it's all just in your body yeah and it takes it took us so long as a species to figure this out and a lot of vivisection <laughs> <laughs> including part including parts of humanity where they would do torture by literally ripping people apart or opening mm-hmm. them up and still oh, couldn't yeah. figure out how it worked oh yeah yeah so it's complicated as fuck and how it works is pretty damn amazing actually that we it really finally is. figured it out. Lymph. Lymph is nuts. <laughs> it's on its own. Like just, just lymph is so cool. Yes, indeed. All right, Tim, question three. Uh, yeah, where do you get your sense of right and wrong from? Because we know it's not religion. My off-the-cuff answer was the sock drawer. Because uh, why not? It's, I think, where everybody gets their damn sense of right and wrong. Even people who pretend it comes from a uh, a book and uh, have to know the passcode to get it, it's by living with people and understanding 
uh, that empathy and under and how other people are and trying to treat other people the way that you would like to be treated is, I think, a really important, powerful thing. Humans come together and come up with rules that how we're going to live together. So yeah. that's it's kind of done as a group. You inherit them. Some are better than others. But yeah, uh, so by living amongst each other and you can't have a sock drawer without civilization. So, yeah, sure. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Civilization does require sock drawers. It I'll does. Sock drawers require civilization. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think it's a chicken and egg situation. Yeah, it is a chicken and egg situation. <laughs> All right. Uh, question four. If you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for you for the rest of your life, what task or chore would you choose? Clean kitchen. Cleaning the kitchen? Absolutely cleaning the kitchen. Having everything put cleaned and put away. Uh, counters, floors, clean kitchen. I mean, I could expand to the whole house, but that seems, you know, more than the Greedy. one one wish. So you're so you're thinking like uh, you could you could cook a meal and just leave like pots with the left extra spaghetti and the stuff you use to chop and cook and like the plates and everything, and then it would just be clean kitchen, like yeah. leftovers put away too, and all of that. Oh, absolutely. Although putting away leftovers and such doesn't bother me, but the mm -hmm. it's that cleaning all of the things and especially when i do cooking there's a lot of stuff there hand wash only and there's only so much hand washing one wants to do in one's life and i think i've already reached that number <laughs> yeah a lot of people with covid seem to have reached that number too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um cleaning the counters putting the dishes away or even if i wash them putting the damn things away so yeah, that the kitchen yeah. can just be clean when i walk in the next time it's a big right. deal all right and question five uh, what's a movie or TV show that you think everyone should watch? I've been having a hard time thinking about this one because, mm -hmm. but when it comes right down to it, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Oh, that's a good answer. I was trying to think of what would be a good thing for everybody. And honestly, that person had a really good way of just reaching through the TV airwaves and, touching people and letting them know that they were worth everything plus and one of the best cat puppets ever <laughs> it definitely was a great cat puppet i i agree with you there molly but yeah, yeah i honestly when it comes right down to it it's the i was trying to think of a science program or this or that and i'm like no actually just the you are worthwhile just the way you are mm-hmm mm -hmm. that is That's so touching. Great. yeah thank so, you yeah. so much Pat, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you have thoughts about Bridgerton season two, please go ahead and comment on Facebook or on our website if you like. Probably Facebook's the easiest place for us to see them, or you can send us a message. Please, please answer our five questions. I know they're new questions and new things can be scary, but it would be so <laughs> awesome if you guys could answer our five questions. Yes, you person who's answered all our questions before, but haven't done this one. Why haven't you done this one? Probably you think we're inundated with five questions. What if I told you I had zero? Zero sent five answers right now. What if I told you that next episode, we're going to have to read five questions from a listener who was behind in episodes, but doesn't know we have new questions. That's because I need you. I need you to answer 
our new five questions. These questions we just had the lovely guest Patricia answer. You can answer yourself. Send them to five questions at geekswithoutgod.com. Hey, Molly. Please go ahead. Oh, yeah. How much does it cost to answer our five questions? Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you asked because it's completely free. Whoa. It is free. In (laughs) fact, if you go to the library and use their computer, it's completely free. You don't even have to pay for internet. You don't even have to pay for internet. Hell, you know what? If you just want to write them on a piece of paper and bring them to my house, just let me know where you want to bring them and I'll be here. We'll we'll mail you you a stamp. We'll mail you the stamp. Just answer the question. <laughs> For God's sake, you guys. All right. Uh, if you liked our show, tell your friends. If you didn't like our show, why are you still listening, you weirdo? Fools. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I cannot love you, for I am the Viscount, and it is such a burden. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. Need more geeks without God? Go to our website, read our blog posts, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Geeks Without God. Social media! We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Answer our five questions. Validate our existence, please.